I'm Laura Jones, and this is Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives, and a Valentine's Day edition at that. Still to come, Voices Amplified, our collaboration with student journalists at Salt Lake Community College in Amplify, Utah, are going to be taking over the show, but it is Valentine's Day, and I've got a special love note to share with you. It's for Herbert Cardenas, who recently passed away just last month from his son and daughter-in-law. Here we go. My name is Richard Cardenas. And I'm Guy Pelaez. And this love note is for my dad who just recently passed away. He was a hardworking man and he loved the people. He'd always just help those in need and just even if it was someone on the side of the road, he'd pull over and he'd buy them a sandwich, push their car, whatever it was. Uh, and this song that I am dedicating, that we are dedicating to him is Salt of the Earth by the Rolling Stones, his favorite band one of his favorite bands. It just kind of came to me with how they talk about like toasting to the hardworking people. And Herbert's the hardest, one of the hardest people yeah. we've ever, working people we've ever known. He, he sacrificed his mind, body and soul to work at a really difficult job, dangerous job. And just to see the smiles on his family's faces. And I've, I've heard stories from his coworkers and my family. I didn't hear about them for a long time, but like this was one of those jobs where uh, you'd get like a 3 a.m. phone call and worry that like he's not coming home. He he worked over at MagCorp. They worked with like molten magnesium. It's in our cars, our computers, our golf, our golf clubs. It's in everything we use. And it's like one of the only uh, plants left in the United States from my understanding. So yeah, he's a steel worker. He loved music. Loved his One of his favorite things was like, you got to listen to the lyrics. Or he'd, he'd love to quiz you on, uh, he'd hear a song on, he'd be like, who's this? And if he didn't know, he'd, He'd tell you who it is and be like, you gotta listen to them. And he was always playing KRCL, always. Always. Like it was always on in the house. This is from my father, Rolling Stones, Salt of the Earth, here on KRCL. I love you, Pops. The teen formal wear swap is back at the Salt Lake County Library. Donate gently used pre-laundered men's and women's formal wear items at any county library branch this month. Then teens can pick their outfits in March just in time for prom season. More details at thecountylibrary.org. Now that you've cleaned your house for the 75th time, do you have a stack of vinyl or a giant bin of CDs that you just don't know what to do with? How about donating them to KRCL for our annual record and CD sales? We're not sure what they'll look like this year, but they will happen. Whether you've digitized your library or just need a great place to donate your record collection, KRCL would love to be that place. Your old records and CDs could help fuel the next generation of music lovers. Reach out to KRCL's volunteer manager for drop-off information at ericn at krcl.org. Thanks. So welcome to the Voices Amplified Takeover on Radioactive, a show that plugs you into the community. I'm Amy Schaefer, your host and an editor at The Globe, the newspaper at Salt Lake Community College. Tonight, we'll chat with up-and-coming journalists about the many stories that make our community so unique. You'll want to stick around to hear about a campaign to rename a community center, Utah's response to the Afghan refugee crisis, and building inclusivity within Salt Lake Cedar community. You're listening to Voices Amplified on Radioactive, a collaboration with Amplify Utah 
KRCL and Salt Lake Community College. It looks great on you. So first up, we're talking with Christian Martinez. Christian is the assignment editor for The Globe, an Amplify Utah board member and a writer of the article, South Salt Lake may rename Columbus Building, a student started the conversation, which was published both in The Globe and the Salt Lake Tribune. Christian, welcome back to KRCL and Voices Amplified. Thank you for having me. Of course. So Christian, um, just kind of set up the story for us real quick and why you were interested in covering it. So first, the story was brought to my attention by an acquaintance of the Globe um, that was sent over. Um, they wanted someone to cover the story or possibly uh, as a possibility. Um, so it was sent my way and it was presented to me as a story of um, a student who had started this conversation of renaming a building in South Salt Lake. It's a community center that has dated back for I think about a hundred years now, possibly more than that, I think. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, um, it hosts a lot of the community's um, events and activities. So it has a special place in the heart of the community. Um, but there was a student who felt that the naming was um, um, just not appropriate and, or I shouldn't say appropriate, um, um, just that needed, um, I guess, a conversation to be started around the name. Um, I think uh, that student was uh, Java, who will be on in just a second. He can speak more to that. Um, but yeah, I think the story, um, it called to me just because it is a story of a um, participation of local government by youth. And I think that was the angle that really drew me to the story. Um, but yeah. Great. So Java France, who's actually with us um, as a student at Salt Lake Community College, has decided to lend his voice to that conversation. Um, Java, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you. Of course. So um, give us a little bit of background. So you're a student at Salt Lake Community College. Um, what are you studying here? Yes, uh, I'm a student at SLIC. I've been attending SLIC since fall 2020, uh, fresh out of high school, and my major is mechanical engineering. Great. And so what about um, the community center name made you decide to kind of um, join that conversation? So coming from Haiti, um, I quickly realized that um, um, our perspective uh, of Christopher Columbus is widely different from um, like how Christopher Columbus is being perceived in Utah. And, and over the time, like in high school, uh, from my volunteering experience, I became um, uh, I became familiar with some of the faces um, um, and groups at the Columbus Center, and I did not hesitate to let them know that, like my feelings about uh, about the center and how I saw things. So it's kind of like that how it started. Great. And in the article, um, it mentions a letter that you decided to write um, to the city of South Salt Lake. Um, so tell me a little bit about what you, um, stated in your letter. So it all started out, uh, so, the, so I was invited as the guest speaker in a grand opening of the Best Buy Syntech Center, um, at the Columbus Center. And, and I had, and like, I'm, like, I, like, I, like I told you guys, I've had like all this, um, Everyone that I meet over there, I always let them know about my feelings. And some of them came to me and they and they tell me, like, why don't you write a letter? Maybe it takes um someone like me, like a youth, uh, uh, to write a letter and maybe you never know like what you can get. So that's that's kind of what prompted me the most to write the letter. And I reached out to 
on the council members at that time um, and the mayor. And I and I basically let them know about my views and how I saw things. Got it. So tell us a little bit about, um, we'll bring Edward Lopez on in a moment, um, how you and Edward kind of went about doing that with the youth um, city council. Yeah. So like you're saying, uh, Edward is the advisor of uh, the youth city council. So after writing the letter, uh, I joined the youth city council and he's basically being, uh, he's our advisor and, and the goal was, uh, or at least still is to get to know the history of the building and getting to a point where, where we'll be able to come up with a new name uh, um, for the building and had it like help us out immensely when it comes to all that. And one thing that I have to say is that um, to be doing the, the work um, that Edward does, I think with, with such passion, and I think it has to come from the heart. So just putting this out there. Thank you for adding that. Um, so I'm actually going to move to Edward for a moment. Um, so Edward, so this is Edward Lopez. Um, he is with the Youth City Council. Can you tell us a bit about the Youth City Council and kind of your role there? Yeah, my name is Edward Lopez, um, again with the City of South Salt Lake. And my role, so my position with the city is I am the community engagement supervisor, but as one of my roles under that job, I am also the advisor for the Youth City Council. Um, so I've been with the city for about seven and a half years. And, um, you know, there used to be a, a previous advisor who was then transitioning roles in her position. And so they then asked me, I had been with the city for about maybe a year and a half or two at that point, and they asked me to come in and help uh, the Youth City Council now that this person was transitioning out. So I kind of helped her wrap up um, a year, and then when she had transitioned, they asked me to take over as the advisor for the Youth City Council, which I had now been doing for about five years. That's great. So, so I just want to bring up that this is not the first time uh, similar campaigns have gone on around the state, around the country, and definitely not even with the Columbus Center. Um, so why is it important to keep, in your opinion, to keep these conversations about these uh, buildings and these names and these people that are being celebrated um, going? Yeah. I, so I'm reminded of a quote by Maya Angelou that says, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. So I'd like to believe that in 2022, we know better. And if you don't, then you've had the privilege to not be paying attention and learning about what is happening in the world and these conversations that are tough, but they need to be happening. And, you know, we are seeing this everywhere around, not just around the country, but around the world. And even in our state, the state, I don't know if you know, but the state has... Um, just started the process to design a new state flag and you know they stated that that process offers Utahns the chance to talk about who we are now it's a chance to talk about the bigger questions and get at the heart of our identity now while we still honor and build upon our history so that's the same thing that we're trying to do with changing the name of the Columbus Center to something that is relevant and true to our community's history identity and values today. That's great. And so when you, so did Java kind of come to you then to, to kind of um, help with this particular endeavor? Yeah. So after he uh, sent his letter into the 
council and the mayor, uh, they asked um, they asked for this project to be taken on by the youth city council. They wanted to hear if this was an issue that other youth felt passionate about. And so um, they encouraged Jayva to join YCC and the youth city council, excuse me. And um, from there, we, we had discussions with the youth to see if this was a project that they were interested in and to see if this was something that they wanted to pursue and we found out that it was and so that's that's how it started so one question i do have i'll ask you first and then i'll go back to jiva is um i know you guys have had some pushback and it's kind of stalled so how do you deal with that pushback not just on a level of face-to-face when they're you know you're at a meeting but just kind of like the emotional pushback of that um like how do you guys move forward with that the emotional part is tough i will add that it's you know it's tough to see um how it's difficult for people to have important conversations um but i you know we simply push back with facts you know is it confusing to have two facilities named the columbus center in one small city yes you know does Christopher Columbus have a specific tie to South Salt Lake? No. Does Christopher Columbus represent the values of everyone in South Salt Lake? No. You know, so that's that's kind of how we push back. But I think the best way is to have those meaning, meaningful conversations. Um, but people need to agree to listen to each other. Unfortunately, sometimes, you know, for those who are against the name change, uh, you're not going to easily change their perspective because what we've heard is, that they think we're doing this to go along with a trend or um, we're giving into cancel culture or trying to erase the past when that's not what we're trying to do. Right, because these names, because I know South Salt Lake um, is very diverse. Um, right. So you kind yeah. of want to be able to represent um, that community. Um, so I would like to also ask you, since it's stalling, what you think comes next and then we'll bring Shava back on. I I know that from the council's perspective, what they want to see happen next is more community feedback. However, I will say that we have already received several letters of support from stakeholders, businesses, organizations, and residents. Um, I do think that the process, to be honest, was stalled just simply by the fact that last year was an election year. And, you know, I don't, I don't think some people wanted to make a decision that could potentially affect their campaign, which is understandable. Um, but lastly, I do want to clarify that I I do believe that community input is necessary um, and we should definitely seek more of it out in the next steps to see what the name should be changed to. But I think there's been enough input, research and reasons presented to move forward with the fact that the name should be changed. Thank you for that. And Jeva, I just want to ask you, um, you know, how do you a, deal with pushback, but also um, what kind of support you're seeing? Um, so, like uh, like Edward was saying, like it can it can definitely be tough at times uh, because I remember making it uh, to a city council and 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 some people who had opposite views were uh, expressing themselves, um, and some refer to it as uh, cancel culture. 
and stuff like that. So, but I just try to um, remind myself that those people that I'm not seeing, that I'm seeing at the at the city council, does not represent the actual demographics of South Salt Lake. And and you don't find uh, young people like me that's in school and that's at work making it to your city council. So. Yeah, I just have to remind myself every time and every now and then, like why I decided to do that. And yeah. And and support, I'm seeing a lot of support so far. Like people that I, most of the time when I reach out to people myself and uh, they understand uh, uh, what I'm, what I'm, they understand like what we're doing at, uh, at the UC Council and and when I let them know about what prompted me to write the letter, and I mean the U City Council itself is um, an Edward like it's and it's just that it's a place where you can uh, you can find help, you can find counsel, and they let you know about um, the technicality and how to do certain things. So and yeah. Thank you. So I guess um, a big lesson here is maybe you know the. The names and the people we celebrated 50 years ago might just not work and it's and it's a good time to revisit those conversations and i really appreciate that you guys came here today and brought this up um with us and you know i know christian um would love to follow up with you guys if you guys hear of some kind of progress please let us know and just before we leave um jeva is there any songs that you wanted to kind of uh, give a shout out to for this episode. I mean, yeah, when I was asked that question, uh, like my mood was, um, I was listening to Kenan Fatima. It's a song about, um, um, so um, Kenan is Somali Canadian, and there was a friend of of him. Her name is uh, uh, Fatima, and and right before uh, he was coming, like to the U.S. and so that um, that lady got shot and they had plans together and all that. So, yeah, and he, and he says that his song, he, don't, he doesn't want people to mourn out in that song. He just want people to, to celebrate. So I feel like that song can get me in the right vibe. So, yeah. Perfect. And I see Edward has also added some songs in the chat and those will be added to our um, Voices Amplified playlist, which you'll be able to find on krcl.org. So Christian and Jeva and Edward, thank you so much again for taking time to hang out with us today and have this conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So Jeva, what's the name of that artist and song one more time so we can play it right here on KRCL? Uh, so the artist's name is Keenan, and the name of the song is called Fatima. And I hope to everyone listening that you guys enjoy. Perfect. Thanks, everyone. I appreciate it. Picture the morning, taste and devour. We rise early, pace up the hour. Streets is bustling, hustling, they harder. I'm Amy Schaefer, and this is the Voices Amplified edition of Radioactive on KRCL. And now, Amy Kramer. She's a staff writer at The Globe. 
And we're going to talk about her story titled Utah's Response to the Call for Refugee Acceptance, which was recently published in The Globe. Thanks for talking with us, Amy. Thanks for having me. Of course. So last summer, as American troops withdrew from Afghanistan, the world kind of watched as that country fell back into the hands of the Taliban, uh, which displaced millions. So, Amy, Utah has been kind of called on to receive some of these refugees. And how is Utah kind of heeding that call? Uh, Yeah, that's right. It was uh, really cool for me to learn about this subject. And um, my family's from Montana, so I'm not familiar with the LDS church and the culture here. But because of that, people are really accepting of immigrants and refugees because of the history of uh, the Mormon church. So um, Utah has been said that they're going to accept 700 to 800 or more now. The numbers are slowly increasing. I think at this point, there are, um, since the fall of Kabul in August last year, I think that there are about 600 Afghan refugees that have already been resettled to Utah. Maybe you can um, kind of let our listeners know some of the conditions these refugees um, are leaving, leaving behind. Well, because the Taliban um, took over Kabul, took over Afghanistan for the first time in 20 years. Um, And they are a extremist religious group that have a lot of rules that women have to follow. Women have to wear burqas. They can't go to school. And being a a woman myself and wanting to be a part of education, I thought that was something important to share that women are being subjugated to a lesser life than they have been used to the past 20 years with Um, the U.S. involvement in Afghanistan and other countries helping make it a more fair place. Let's talk about a little bit, like in your article, you kind of touched on that. Yes, we have kind of accepted refugees before, but this influx um, of refugees is a little bit different. Can you kind of speak to that? Yeah. Um, The reason that this is different is because of our involvement for the past 20 years, our military in the U.S., you know, we've had a high um, military presence there and And because of that, we feel an obligation to help people and um, resettle them into, you know, wherever in the U.S. because of how disastrous the pullout was in August. And it displaced, like you said, millions and um, really destroyed the life that they had been used to, a life of not maybe not total comfort yet. You know, not everything was perfect, but much better than it had been when the Taliban were in control in the 90s. Right. And it happened so mm-hmm. quickly, I think, um, was was another problem is, is they had zero time. Right. It was um, so unexpected and it just seemed we were kind of naive to think that it wouldn't happen and we didn't realize how um, much power that the Taliban had and um just thinking that we could leave with, I don't know, very little resources for the military in Kabul, the Afghan military, and just leaving that they would be okay. It was not not true. Right. And then um, something else you um, touched on was also how Salt Lake Community College itself has kind of been involved. Um, you spoke with some students and you found out about some some resources right here at the college. Maybe you can um, let our listeners know what you found out. 
Yeah. Um, so Salt Lake Community College is the most diverse college in the state of Utah. And we have a lot of refugee and immigrant services. And there's the TRIO program, which is for first-generation students. And a student I spoke with, his name is Bobby Kerr Abdallah, goes by Bobby. And um, he's a 26, 27-year-old refugee from Sudan. And he's been in the U.S. since he was 16. And he said that being a refugee student, as well as being an immigrant student, um, you have to really rely on yourself to do well in school and, um, you know, find a job so that you can support yourself and go to school. And he is a peer leader with TRIO. And he really points to um, Dr. Kamal Bawar, who is a student success coordinator through the Office of Multicultural Affairs, for helping him feel welcome to the school. And, um, and Dr. Kamal, he was a um, refugee himself from Kurdistan in the 90s, I think he told me, um, from Kurdistan. And um, it's really important, like Bobby Kerr said, and Dr. Kamal agreed that you have someone who's had a similar experience to you so that you can relate in something that's truthful to what you went through and not just someone who may, you know, have their heart in the right place and want to help you, but they really can't touch on what you've gone through. And a quote that I loved when I spoke to Dr. Kamal Bawar was that he said, any decision about me without me is invalid. I love that. Um, so for anybody who wants to know about the resources at Salt Lake Community College or anything about this um, uh, this story, all of those resources will be available on krcl.org. And before we um, head to break, Amy, I got to ask you, is there a song that you want to share with us? Yes. But first, I have to give my grandmother a shout out. She's the reason <laughs> why I have been interested in immigrants my whole life. Her um, her um, parents both came from Crimea in the early 1900s. And as of February 12th, she is 102. Wow. So happy mm -hmm. birthday. <laughs> yes. Grandma Agnes, I love oh, you. <laughs> love it. Um, and my song is Into My Arms by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, which I think is just the most beautiful love song ever. And I hope everyone listening will enjoy it. Perfect. It's perfect for a Valentine's Day show then. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Amy. And we will um, talk to you a little bit later in the show. Thank you. All right. So when we come back, we will discuss some theaters in um, Salt Lake and how they are building inclusivity both on and off the stage right here with Voices Amplified on Radioactive, a collaboration with Salt Lake Community College, Amplify Utah, and KRCL. And here's that Nick Cave and the Bad Seed song right here on KRCL 90.9. I don't believe in an interventionist God. Welcome back to the Voices Amplified Takeover on Radioactive. I'm Amy Schaefer, an editor at The Globe, um, the Salt Lake Community College student-run paper, and we're hosting the show tonight to share diverse stories from the community in partnership with KRCL and Amplify Utah. So let's shift gears a bit, and we're gonna talk about the theater community in Salt Lake and how two theater groups, the Black Box Theater and Salt Lake Acting Company, are making inclusive, 
inclusivity a top priority. So to get us started, we're talking with Mike Adamson, a student at Salt Lake Community College, who wrote the article um, titled, These Salt Lake City Theaters Put Accessibility and Inclusion Center Stage, published both in The Globe and in the Salt Lake Tribune in partnership with Amplify Utah. Welcome to the show, Mike. How are you? Hi, Amy. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. So what about this um, interest about the story interested you and why did you want to write about it? I was uh, excited to see that SLCC's Black Box Theater was presenting The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. Uh, it's a book that I love that I read when it first came out and I've read a couple of times since and I really wanted to see how it translated on stage. I know that it opened on London's West End, but I had never seen it. And I also was working on a video package um, for a different class uh, and got to spend a lot of time interviewing uh, some of the different actors there for that piece, as well as for the, the article, uh, and really fell in love with their choice of casting um, two individuals uh, with autism um, and seeing how, how they all interacted, how the other cast members spoke about that. Uh, I, I love the experience and I'm really glad that I uh, kind of jumped in and took a personal like uh, and managed to, to turn it into a story that I was able to share with everyone. Great. And so we were unable to um, get the actors on, unfortunately, today, but you spoke to both. Um, so you spoke to Seth Howell, right? And he was able to um, actually take the, the role of Christopher, who was the lead, right, in the play? Yes, that's correct. Great. So can you kind of tell me the significance to the casting of Seth in that role? I think first Seth did an excellent job as one of the three Christophers uh, involved in the play. I really think that the play wouldn't translate without having uh, a neurodivergent individual playing Christopher. Um, I, I think that being able to bring audiences into his world uh, and with the descriptions, the way that, that it was translated into the production was excellent, but I think that he really was the anchor in the production that that made it shine and made it feel uh, like he included all of the audience into, into this peek into, into his mind. And um, I just want to touch on one more thing. You also spoke um, with the theater professor, Zach. Um, I, is it Zach right. Curtis? Like my mind just went blank. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Zach Curtis. And I just want to talk about um, kind of an interesting thing they did with casting, you know, the multiple actors um, as the lead and why that was important. Zach had mentioned when I interviewed him that the different actors portray Christopher in different ways as the story unfolds, where you have uh, sort of the main Christopher in present day as Seth Howell. And then Christopher is also writing his story that's being read by Siobhan, uh, who's his teacher. And as she's recounting the story, there is a different actor who's portrayed. Uh, so it's important to have those different Christophers to show the reactions and display that while also keeping helping the audience maintain that, that timeline. And I'm not sure if I made it clear, and I want to make sure that I do make it clear, is that the lead... Um, character in the story um, is believed to be on kind of the spectrum, right, of autism. And so by casting um, Seth, we're kind of seeing that um, that's represented correctly. Is that kind of right? 
I also want to make sure that I put that out there. I think that's that's exactly right. The main character, Christopher, is a 15-year-old boy with autism. And so much of the narrative of the story is relating to his interpretation of events and the world and people um, that, again, the, the play would have been done a grave disservice by not including an individual uh, with autism to help portray that. And how do you think, um, just being able to kind of act as an observer here, um, that representation is important, you know, to people who are watching uh, the play as well. I think that this piece opened up a whole world to me in um, working with Slack and working with Natalie Kieser on what that looks like for uh, modern translation and for individuals with disabilities to have that theater access. Uh, I know one of the places I really would have liked to branch out to as I was working on the piece is Breaking Barriers, which is uh, an accessibility project that's a partnership with the Utah Division of Arts and Museums that does cohorts, uh, is what they call them. Um, and I'll let Natalie speak to this a little more if she'd like. Um, I would have loved to attend one of those, but there wasn't one until after the after my deadline, after the semester. Um, but seeing how uh, there are a number of different theaters who are including these performances for neurodivergent individuals, for uh, deaf individuals, and and uh, all sorts of different disabilities. I know that the symphony has a performance coming up uh, here at Abravanel that is uh, specifically for neurodivergent individuals, where they have different uh, there is sort of a an allowance of of their expression in the audience. There isn't that um, current, you know, audience expectation that there's silence throughout the film. They're allowed to be themselves. They're they're very welcomed. Um, I also saw a, a piece on Seattle's Symphony that does the same thing, and there were a lot of parents who were expressing this sort of joy that they were they were feeling included for the first time, basically since becoming parents. Uh, and that is a piece that, you know, it chokes me up even talking about it. It really has been an eye opener to me and and has just given me this whole new sort of heart space about how welcoming this has all felt. That's fantastic. And now I'm going to kind of shift over to Natalie Kieser, who's the accessibility coordinator for um, Salt Lake Acting Company. So welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. So Salt Lake Acting Company is kind of bringing accessibility to the forefront. Um, and so to join this conversation, I was reading the article and you were talking about how representation matters. Do you wanna kind of elaborate on that thought? Yeah, I mean, I really think I can um, just sort of continue with what Mike has already said. He, he said so many beautiful things that really um, are the reason why representation matters so much. And I know that this is, a term that we're hearing a lot more, um, but the the it's important for so many reasons, but in addition to really, because theater is about storytelling, right? Um, how, how What's the best way we can tell the story? And um, by casting with representation in mind, you really are telling the story the best way that it should be told. Um, using an actor who has navigated that those experiences in their real life they are really going to be able to tell such like a beautiful beautiful story the way that it should be told and um also i feel like mike touched on this as well audience members watching that are also um being seen 
feeling like they're being seen and they're being heard and their stories are being seen and, and heard. And um, they're not sort of being left out of the conversation, I should say. So um, yeah, just to continue with what Mike said. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's extremely, I love it. I'm, I'm in favor of, it. I think it's very important. I agree. Um, so maybe you can tell us a little bit how Salt Lake Acting Company is kind of in dress, addressing like theater or inclusion in theater on and off the stage. Yeah, so um, I would love to start by saying that there's like many levels to this. There's a lot of layers. Um, it starts at the the very top level and, and moves all the way down. And and I feel really lucky to work at Salt Lake Acting Company because every single person on our team and on our board and with our executive artistic director, everyone is on the same the same page and is all bought it by bought into this and does so much work to make sure that this happens. But essentially, you know, our literary manager, uh, she reads a lot of plays and she takes time with that and she looks at the stories and she chooses the stories that she thinks that need to be told and typically, you know, diverse stories or stories that are not told very often. Um, she will pick from those and work with our executive artistic director and our EDI dramaturg um, to make sure that these are the stories that we want to be telling. And then you know, then deciding, okay, who do we um, hire to direct this show? Are they going to have the same values that we do? Are they going to um, cast the way that this should be cast so that the story can be told in the best way? Um, and then to move on from that also, how are we making our space accessible to everyone so that we can um, have a space that supports um, people with physical disabilities to be able to um, be in the backstage areas and in the dressing rooms, um, which is what a huge part of our remodel that we're going through right now. It's all part of that. And also, are we making our audition spaces and our rehearsal spaces a safe place for people who um, have invisible disabilities? Um, I'm an actor in the community and I have invisible disabilities and it's not always easy for me to disclose those disabilities in the room because I'm afraid, oh, I might not get hired here. They might not, I might not get, it will affect my ability to get the job. And so I think that if we're creating a safe, inclusive space right from the beginning, that will hopefully bring more actors with disabilities to our theater so that they're there and they can be represented in stories, not just where the author has um, written specifically that this is for, um, an actor with a disability, but hopefully we're casting people with disabilities in roles that are just stories about people. And I feel like as an audience member, that's what people want to see. You know, they want to see people on the stage. They want to see themselves on stage. And so um, I feel like that was a very long answer, but that's... <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um, we do only have a couple minutes left, but I wanted to um, just touch on real briefly... Um, the Amberly Accessibility Fund, because this was really a lovely um, little story, part of the story. After going through breaking barriers, like Mike brought up as well, which is just awesome. Um, Utah Arts is uh, Utah Arts uh, Museums, Utah Division of Arts and Museums. There we go. And Art Access um, have been doing these cohorts, and they've been doing so much beautiful work in the community. Um, after going through that, um, we formed the. We knew we needed to raise a lot of funds to make the, the big changes that we needed to make in our building and with our programming. So we started the Amber Lee Accessibility Fund and that was named in honor of Amber Lee Hatton Ward, 
um, who was a patron who attended our children's show every year with her friends and her family. And um, when she passed away in 2019, um, her mom worked with us to honor her legacy and um, helped us raise funds to, to make the changes that we needed to and to continue in the future to support um, our accessible programming. That's really, like when I read that, that was like one of my favorite things. Yeah, and it's still, and it's ongoing. So of course, um, if you have any interest in supporting that, um, please reach out to us. Right, which brings me to, I wanted to just um, let you have a second to kind of plug um, the website where, uh, first of all, like acting company, um, social, anything like that, where people can um, see what's coming up. And we'll also have those uh, links on krcl.org. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, so we are at saltlakeactingcompany.org. Um, that website has been revamped so that it is in, it is, um, accessible to everyone. So, um, you can go there and you can find any performances that we have coming up. We have egress happening right now, and we have an ASL interpretive performance on February 10th, an audio described performance on February 16th and open captive performance on February 20th. And then our sensory friendly performance on February 15th. Perfect. And then I'm going to bring Mike back in for one more second um, to see if you as the student have a song you want to drop um, for us to play. I do. Uh, In the spirit of Valentine's Day, I wanted to uh, submit for your approval. uh, Nothing's going to stop us now by Starship for my wife, Faith, which uh, it's a running joke between us, but uh, I, I will leave that to you. Okay, so. I think everybody can actually kind of either secretly or not secretly rock out to that song. So, so it's nothing's going to stop us now by starship. That's correct. Perfect. Thank you guys both for being here. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to us today on voices amplified. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. All right. So before we get our pop culture nuggets on here is starship on KRCL. All right, so everybody can get into a little bit of Starship uh, on Valentine's Day. That was a great request. So before we wrap the show, let's take a quick look at what's happening in the world of pop culture this week. And to help me with that, I'm going to pull in our digital editor this week, Christian Martinez and Amy Kramer from Team Boss. Um, both from the Voices Amplified crew. So Christian, I'm going to go to you first. What in pop culture is currently catching your eye? Um, there's this show. Um, it's it's not very new, but it's on Netflix. It's called Easy. Um, it's a show that is um, loosely written and relies on improvisation from the actors. And I saw it for the first time, I think, last year. And I recently, start, recently started rewatching it and... I think it's just a really fantastic show. Um, um, it's not one that's really talked about as much. So I w- was hoping maybe to be able to give it some exposure to some people who have uh, not yet seen it. Give it some love. <laughs> and then um, Amy, I'm going to pull you in next. Do you have any little pop culture gems you want to share with us? Yes. I recently finished um, Afterlife, which is a show on Netflix, a uh, British miniseries with Ricky Gervais and um, only three seasons, each with about six episodes. 
and he plays a recent widower who loses his wife to cancer. And the show goes through, it's funnier than it sounds, but it goes through his grieving process and it's got that signature British dark humor. And it's just a very heartfelt and honest show. And I think the Brits do it better in that they're really honest. No, nothing held back. <laughs> yeah, it sounds it sounds like it, um, the sizes of the seasons sounds like a quick binge, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's great. I loved it. I'm a total binger. So my pop culture thing to share is I have to talk about the Olympics. I'm super, super invested. Um, there's been some really great moments. But what I really want to talk about is the best thing about the Olympics is the commentary by Johnny Ware and Tara Lipinski. Um they are so fun. They are sassy. They are fashionistas. And to me, that is one of the very best parts of the Olympics. So if you guys have a chance to catch any ice skating, make sure you do it during prime time so you can um, so you can catch a glimpse of their greatness because <laughs> I really love them. And that's a wrap for this week's show. Thank you again to all of today's guests. A special thank you to executive producer Laura Jones of Radioactive for passing the mic each week. If you wish to learn more about today's guests, their stories and organizations, head over to krcl.org to check out tonight's show notes and get plugged into your community. And for a special treat, be sure to check out the Amplify Utah Takeover of KRCL playlist filled with songs chosen by our guests and the Voices Amplified staff. So don't forget to tune in every Monday night at six as we take a deeper dive into diversity and unpack Utah's unspoken stories, special guests, stories that matter, things you care about, Voices Amplified, a collaboration between Salt Lake Community College, Amplify Utah, and KRCL. And I just want to say thank you again to all of our guests. A special thank you to executive producer, Laura Jones of Radioactive for passing the mic each week. And I definitely want to do a shout out to Nathan Chen, our very own native ice skater, who has been dubbed the quad king for his um, win on gold for the Olympics last week. So for Nathan Chen, this one's for you. It's Rocket Man by Elton John on KRCL 90.9. She packed my bags last night, pre-flight. Zero hour, 9 a.m. Happy Valentine's Day, KRCL. I love you too. I love so many people and way too many places here in the state of Utah. One very special one to me for the past four years, since it's four winters, is Alta Ski Area. It is such a special place to go and hike and to ski in the wintertime. Alta Ski Area, I love you too much, more than words can describe. Keep on keeping on. Love you, KRCL.